AFC West. It is a Broncos show. It's Cecil Lammy and Sigma Bloom on the Audible talking about the draft recap for the AFC West, which includes a Denver Broncos draft that you really love. Maybe one pick that you're a little, huh, about. Let's get all into this. And first up, Jerry Judy at 15, their first round pick. He will perhaps even be more productive than Cortland Sutton this year. I think it's a fair question to ask Bloom, and I've asked it on the local airwaves, very gingerly, right, because Broncos country is very sensitive. But I've asked the question, hey, is Jerry Judy right now better than Cortland Sutton right now? It's a debate. You could have that question. You could talk about it and, you know, come to different outcomes. That's fine. I know Jerry Judy's way better than Sutton was when Sutton came out of SMU because Sutton ran two routes, didn't even know which foot to put in front of the other when he lined up. Uh, you know, Demarius Thomas had to teach him that. Now Sutton has emerged. I've often said that Cortland Sutton is, you know, a superstar in the making, could be a top five receiver someday. Jerry Judy's here and Jerry Judy steps in with Odell Beckham Jr. like skill set. You know, Amari Cooper like route running, lower body a little bit smaller. You know, there was that weird knee report that came out like the day before the draft, like, Aren't we all savvy enough to know if it comes out the day before the draft, like, um, doesn't really pass the sniff test. But either way, the number one receiver in the greatest wide receiver draft class in NFL history is the Denver Bronco. Jerry Jude, congratulations. There we go. Denver Broncos. Good job, John Elway. High five and doing the raise the roof thing. And then they followed up with KJ Hamler. <laughs> so... What the Broncos were going to do if Judy or Lamb weren't there, Judy and Lamb were the target at 15. If those two were gone, then they were going to move back. They were going to take Patrick Queen, you know, move back with the Eagles or whatever. They were going to take Patrick Queen, and they were going to take K.J. Hamler in the second because Vic Fangio stood on the table for K.J. Hamler. Matt Russell said that in an interview with DenverBroncos.com. So Vic Fangio in the second round still standing on the table with the meatballs and the pasta. Like Fangio, was that's his guy. He wants that guy. He wants that speed. Okay, cool. This isn't necessarily my problem with Hamler in a second is you miss out on Logan Wilson. You miss out on Ezra Cleveland or Josh Jones. The tackle situation is just awful. I I mean, we all think it is. No one believes in Juwan James. No one wants Garrett Bowles as the starter anymore. The Broncos don't mind their tackles. That's what the draft told us. So, you know, stick it where the sun doesn't shine, (laughs) according to John Elway and company, because it's like, yeah, their their tackles are going to be their tackles. So it's Hamler. And what's interesting to note, Bloom, first off, he drops way too many passes. 12 drops last year, led the FBS. So got to clean that up. Okay. And then he's like the fifth target. So what's he going to catch this year? 20 passes? I feel uncomfortable really seeing many more than that. So, you know, maybe he'll have 20 rushes, right? Because he plays like Tavon Austin. So, okay, he's dynamic. He's explosive. He's a weapon. He's got plenty of speed. Sure, but you have Sutton. You have Judy. You have Noah Fant. You have Melvin Gordon. There's another tight end we'll talk about in a little bit. But, like, okay, KJ Hamler, really good. Your fifth target. And you just took him in the second round. You ignore the other positions that, you know, Logan. Oh, Logan Wilson. I love that guy. But anyway, uh, Michael Ojumudia, cornerback Iowa in the third round. Lloyd Cushenberry, third round center from LSU. They needed a starting center because they didn't like Connor McGovern. Oh, what? I mean, just Lassie Bark, whatever. Um, and Cushenberry kind of makes up for the Hamler thing because it's like, if you just tell me the first four picks, Bloom, 
mm. I'd go, wow, that's really yeah. good. I don't know how they did that. Because you'd think Cushenberry would be the second round pick. And then Hamler mysteriously fell to the third. But whatever. So they got their guys. Screw you guys. I'm going home. Well, John Iwe didn't go home. He was already at home making picks like McTelvin Ajim, defensive tackle, Arkansas, one of my favorite sleepers in this class. One of the most impressive players I've ever seen at the Shrine Bowl in 15 years. Uh, Albert Okwubunam, Okwubunam, Albert O, tight end from Mizzou, who, I'll tell you off the air who I was texting with Bloom, but someone very mm. close to that program was very excited <laughs> about getting this guy on the Broncos. And Albert O and Drew Locke in college had 17 touchdown catches from Drew Locke in two seasons. And if Albert O would have come out last year with Drew Locke, he probably would have been a top 50 pick. Definitely athletic profile, definite red zone look. So here's the thing with Noah Fan, Noah Fan will probably have more catches. Albert O will probably have more touchdowns. So keep that in mind when you're thinking like Noah Fan, he'll take that next step. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Albert O's a pretty big roadblock to that. Justin Sternod in the fifth round, linebacker Wake Forest, Natani Moody, guard from Fresno State. If he's healthy, he's rarely healthy, but if he is, a second round graded player. Tyree Cleveland, wide receiver Florida in the seventh round, and Derek Tuzka. I, I like his game. Edge player, North Dakota State in the seventh round. Bloom, what you got? Yeah, this was a great draft. Uh, consensus, and look, we often look back, and when everybody agrees that a team had a great draft, in a couple of years we say, oh, it wasn't so good. But Jets, Browns, you know, Broncos, these were teams we looked at the draft, and it was hard to knock them too much. Now, the Broncos were kind of on a spree, right? Uh, you, you have Judy fall to you, and instead of a, adjusting, it almost seemed like that g- gave them a sort of uh, a manic, like, let's keep going, more more targets for <laughs> Drew Block. we got to keep mean? up with the Chiefs. Yeah, exactly. And and you say that, but look, the Ram, I'm sorry, the Raiders actually mentioned the Chiefs in their uh, explanation of the, the pick of rugs. Like, we see the Chiefs and what they can do. So absolutely, that there's a keeping up with the Joneses, the Mahomeses here. Uh, Judy, the rest of the league just did them a favor, you know. Uh, and Rugs over Judy isn't that indefensible. Although I don't think the Raiders have the quarterbacks to fully take advantage of Rug. Judy playing the slot, can play outside, tremendous router, just the perfect complement to Cortland Sutton. Mm. You know, if you, if you're talking about having two wide receivers who have a different discrete set of strengths used in a different way, different hot zones in the field and things like that. Judy and Sutton are perfect together. And then they get Hamler. And the problem with Hamler is just, if you're going to run two tight end sets with Alberto and Fant, or if you're going to put Judy in the slot, I mean, where does Hamler fit in? As you said, he's use a second round pick on a role player. Now the good news is this. Hamler has some major flaws in his game. I was not a fan of Hamler. However, uh, it's you know he, he cannot make a contested catch to save his life. Um, n- just not somebody that I think is going to be good unless he gets wide open. When he gets wide open, he can take it to the house. In this offense, he's probably going to get wide open whenever he's in the slot, and he could be one of those guys who has like thirty catches for seven hundred yards. You know, it's it, he's going to be, have a lot of room to operate. So even though second round pick, when you already have so much going on, maybe was a little much, uh, they're going to be able to get the most value out of him. Ohamudia, maybe they reached a little bit for him, 
but he's got the length. He's a press corner, maybe a little bit of a project, has some uh, production on the ball and things like that. Ajim, as you mentioned, he's had a good trying game. You can fill some gaps. Uh, then a dirty work guy, but with upside. Cushionberry, you get the starting center for the national champions. As you said, that makes up a little bit for not getting a tackle. Albert O, you talked about it. Speed, and he can go up and get it. And this is one of those things where you have to look at reuniting him with his college quarterback. Big plus. If any team is situated to get the most value out of him, other than the fact they spent a first-round pick on Fant last year, uh, they are. Strad is a great coverage linebacker, and they might need that. So you can easily see the Broncos having something where five, four or five linebackers divide up the snaps depending on the role. And I think that he can play a role right away. Moody's, you said, got to stay healthy, but he is a true road grader. Like whatever you put in front of him is going to get knocked down. I'm not sure what else he's going to do, but that's okay because you know what he can do when you got him late. Cleveland, uh, a bit of an underachiever. Hope he can maybe make the team with special teams contributions and eventually beat out someone like Tim Patrick uh, and Tuska is a hand-fighting motor guy, North Dakota, jump up in competition. We'll see, but seventh-round pick, you've got a productive guy who's had a lot of success, and you just don't know if he's going to translate. That's a fine use of a pick that late. Yeah, I saw Tuska at CU's Pro Day where he was there. It was like one of the final Pro Days. Um, So, you know, interesting. By the way, Matt Russell's favorite. Mm. So there you go. Uh, And the uh, Hamler thing, Bloom, I hate to get hung up on it, but it is a Bronco show. It's like that that extra shot of tequila you shouldn't have had. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you're right. feeling pretty good. You're right there. You had some Casa Noble, right? Some Don Julio. And then you're like, one more. And then you're. See, for me, it was champagne. It's that, it's that when someone hands you the champagne, and then don't drink the champagne. Say thanks and just give it to somebody because the champagne's <laughs> going to shake everything up, you know, turn it into some frothing. It's like when you had the baking soda and the vinegar in the volcano. Mm-hmm. It starts bubbling. Let's talk about undrafted players and with the Broncos specifically, again, not blowing bubbles, but they are one of the best teams in the NFL at finding undrafted talent. And we could run down the list, which includes CJ Anderson. I'm just glad I get to bring up CJ Anderson in 2020. It's not a video game podcast, but, uh, so, you know, Chris Harris Jr., Philip Lindsay, Shaquille Barrett, list goes on and on of the players that this team has found undrafted, which is why when I say the name Levante Bellamy, mm-hmm. You listen, there's a situation going on with Philip Lindsay. We won't get into on this show. It's more of a Thursday night topic, but just know that, you know, they paid Melvin Gordon. Gordon's their lead back. Philip Lindsay, like work hard and all that. Like Philip Lindsay, greatest ever. I don't want to make his sister was tweeting about me. She was very angry. Oh. Um, I don't know why, because I usually generally support Philip Lindsay and just tell the truth about him. Uh, the truth of the matter is he's not a good receiver right now. Levante Bellamy is a good receiver, and he's built like Philip Lindsay. Doesn't mean he's Philip Lindsay. Philip, again, for Philip Lindsay lovers, he's the greatest player ever. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can't believe how sensitive I have See, to be. Who hurt you? Locally. Who hurt you? Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, because Philip Lindsay's sister on Twitter was like, uh, "Who listens to the fans, especially that Lammy?" I'm like, all I've been saying is feed your brother. Like, give him the ball. That's what I say. And I also say he's not a good receiver because he's not. Like, and he can't work on it because he breaks his wrist every year. Has to have surgery two years in a row. You need to host a podcast where you interview other people in sports media and let them vent about all the hurt and trauma they have gotten from people out there, man. Right, right. I'm just saying Levante Bellamy, 
built like Philip Lindsay, yeah. runs inside like Philip Lindsay, even though smaller back saw him at the Shrine Bowl. Um, you know, he, he'll burst outside at the second level. So interesting name to keep an eye on. Bloom, there are others. By the way, Douglas Coleman, Texas Tech, yep. probably the Will Parks replacement. Nine yep. picks in his one season at safety. Nine times, nine yep. picks. So, again, Denver's really good at doing this. That's why we yes. spend a little time, and plus we we'll be complaining about Phil Blinsey's sister. But anyway. No, we should spend time, though. As great as their draft class was, they may have three, four, five of these undrafted free agents stick. And uh, you mentioned Bellamy, tremendous pickup. Uh, Western Michigan, uh, talk about production, 23 touchdowns and excellent on stretch plays. So he understands the footwork, understands how to find those spots and burst through them. As you said, can contribute as a receiver. Um, you mentioned Coleman and his production as a safety. Um, some other, other interesting guys, though. Kendall Hinton from Wake Forest, a, a wide receiver, converted from quarterback and took to the position right away, had very good numbers. And, again, arrows pointing up there. They got um, Asang Bassey from Wake Forest, who may be a slot corner right away, just an ideal slot corner. Not really sure how he falls out of the draft. And then Zamari Manning, Tarleton State, he had 22 touchdowns last year. So if you like production, these guys falling out of the draft, Bellamy and Manning, uh, they've obviously got the skills to pay the bills, and the Broncos know how to find those guys after the draft. I like that, skills to pay the bills. By the way, this draft totally said, like, Deshaun Hamilton, bye-bye. Sorry. Tim Patrick, sorry. Oof. All right, rough. Let's talk about something that's beautiful. Kansas City, your world champions. And uh listen, Chiefs fans don't like me. That's fine. I really love that team, though. Uh, I mean, I love the organization. Some good, good friends. Uh, B.J. Kissel works there in the media department. Fantastic, a fantastic man, Uh in addition to all the work that he does for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, uh, just that organization, EB, my man EB, right? Getting it done under Andy Reid. He'll be a head coach someday, uh, hopefully soon. When this team gets Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the end of the first round, you go, oh, wow, that's just so beautiful. It's so perfect. And I understand the reports today on the Football Guys Newswires, like Damian Williams is still, yeah, uh-huh. That's true. It's probably being some sort of committee, Bloom. We can all admit that because Williams is too good just to shelve him. But Edwards-Hilaire is... Just perfect for this team. You couldn't, if you were to yeah. create one with a 3D printer and like <laughs> put in all the skills, right? Oh, we're going to genetically, it's like Westworld, right? It comes out of the, the muck. And it's like, that's, that's Edwards Elaire for this team specifically with his receiving ability, contact balance, vision. Oh, it's just tremendous. Just getting chills just talking about it. Willie Gay Jr., linebacker, Mississippi State, very highly thought of. I can't believe he was there at the end of round two. Uh, I'm a card-carrying member of the Nang gang, Lucas Nang, tackle, mm-hmm, Texas mm-hmm. Christian, so a third-round pick. There's a third-round tackle the Broncos could have possibly mm-hmm. had, but the Chiefs get him instead. Fourth round, Legereus Sneed, safety law tech. Fifth round, Michael Dana, edge Michigan. And seventh round, Bopet Keys, cornerback, Tulane. Love this draft. as a Super Bowl winner. And see, as you said, it's like know thyself. Right. Mm. Teams understanding what works for them. Uh, all the stories. Um, th- for me, this is your one, one in rookie drafts. I know Damian Williams and Edward Hilaire are going to be a committee, but so where and Hunt were supposed to be a committee. Right. So I mean, we'll see. Um, 
Edward Tyler is just so perfect. I mean, just his ability to run out of the shotgun, interior runner to his routes, his ability to break guys down in space. You've heard the stories. Andy Reid saw him and said, they said, he's going to remind you of Brian Westbrook. And Reid said, he's better than Westbrook. Uh, they Ooh. called up Patrick Mahomes the day of the draft, and they said, don't think, just give us a name. Tell us who you want. He said, Clyde. Mm. So they were going to take Clyde anyway, though. They it, Understanding what your team values at a position is one of the keys to winning the draft, and they do that. Willie Gay you know, had a suspension and some different things that may have given some teams pause. The dude flies around the field. If we were talking about top ten fun guys to watch in this draft, mm. Willie Gay. Yes, and they need him. He's going to immediately improve their offense. He may end up being the best IDP linebacker in this whole class, again, because they understand the role they can give him. They understand how to maximize his skill set. They're going to give him a chance to play right away. Nang is – how did Josh Jones and Nang – I mean, I get it. There's a hip issue, I guess. Maybe that's part of the problem because teams can't poke and prod and examine him. He looks good to me. He's certainly athletic enough. He can play. He can pass protect. He can move. He can handle one-on-one clashes in the run game. This is an excellent pick in the third round. Third day, not quite as exciting. You know, Sneed can play some safety, can play some corner. Dan, I really didn't understand. Kind of underwhelming. Keys uh, down here in Tulane, New Orleans. He's got some length and some ball skills. Uh, but those first three picks, you're a Super Bowl winner, and you get to add those players, players that can contribute or even improve your units right away. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'll take it all Flippin' day. How about undrafted players for the Chiefs like Aliva Hifo? Mm-hmm. Uh, BYU receiver, 4-4 guy, uh, got some strength at 202 as well. So I look over this list, Bloom, that's a name that sticks out. Uh, how about you? They're throwing some money around. Kalijah Lipscomb from Vanderbilt, a refined receiver in, in that Justin Jefferson, Van Jefferson kind of axis, not necessarily oozing physical traits, but very good, very, uh, creating separation, running routes, and his craft. They gave him 110000 Levert Hill, they gave 110000 This guy could be their slot corner maybe this year uh, out of Michigan. Uh, you've got to love that. Yasir Durant out of Mizzou, they gave him 150000 Massive guy. Uh, maybe he could move inside the guard. They know him because, he, again, he's from Mizzou. Javaris Davis pretty famous cousins, Vontae Davis and Vernon Davis. And uh, he's, surprise, extremely athletic. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see what he can do. We'll see what the Las Vegas Raiders can do with their draft, which started out at number 12. And it was no secret. It was one of those, you know, week of the draft. What are you hearing? Henry Ruggs to the Raiders. He is their favorite. And Al Davis smiling, you know, from up in heaven and those mm-hmm. get the speed guy and all that kind of stuff. They do that, but this isn't, and God, I feel so sorry for John Ross Bloom because John Ross was a better college receiver than people give him credit for, right? Cause there's a far two guys, just a speed guy. Like, no, he wasn't just a track star who played football. He was a good receiver. He's been hurt and well, it's the Bengals. We'll see how it works out this year. But anyway, with Henry Ruggs, he's that short passes into long gains type of guy, including taking the top off the defense. Like everything that he can do to open up underneath. Mike Mayock talked about that, where he can now open up stuff for Darren Waller. 
I would say, you know, Hunter Renfro and what he does underneath, that's a slot, right? That's a mm-hmm. guy that can go get it, not a little tiny catch radius like KJ Hamler, like Hunter Renfro at slot. That's a beautiful player. And they they needed a true number one because that was a plan last year. It got thrown off when in Crackergate, we call it that, mm-hmm. Antonio Brown, like uh, getting his, his uh, butt bounced off that team. Like, okay, so Tyrell Williams now the two, Ruggs the one. All right, throw it out there. You still don't have a quarterback. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they have another first-round pick, and they go with the other Buckeyes corner, Damon Arnett. So a little bit of a surprise for some people out there with some of the other names at corner. Uh, and I believe his best pro comparison is Gary and Conley, which is interesting, Bloom, <laughs> based yeah. on what Conley yes. did not do with the Raiders or what have you. Then they go wide receiver again, back-to-back, Lynn Bowden. Wide receiver Kentucky and Brian Edwards, wide receiver South Carolina. The thing with Edwards is it's almost an, um, he's definitely not as good as Michael Pittman, but it's one of those like, here's a big body that can win contested catches, but he doesn't do it consistently, huh? You know, so he's not, <laughs> he's not a route runner, right? But he's a go up and get it at the catch point if he feels like it. I don't know. Just very, very inconsistent. Uh, on film, but he is a big body there for that team. And clearly they wanted to improve the wide receiver room with back-to-back wide receivers. Uh, third pick in the third round, Tanner Muse, safety of Clemson. And then fourth round to wrap it up, John Simpson, guard Clemson, and Amik Robinson, Robertson, cornerback, Louisiana Tech. Just like last year, early part of the draft, not so sure as the draft goes on. You'd like to pick a little bit more, a little bit more. Maybe their best pick will come out of the fourth round, just like last year with Max Crosby. Well, I mean, that Trayvon Mullen was pretty good. Josh Jacobs was good, too. Um, okay, Henry Ruggs, you get it. And look, it's not just deep balls. What you really want to do is get Henry Ruggs the ball in his hand when his feet are moving, right? It's some sort of slant, you know, even a jet sweep. And that's where he's going to make some noise. And that's the only way he's going to make noise with Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. I'm sorry. They don't have the quarterbacks, I don't think, to unlock the full value of Henry Ruggs. But as you said, Al Davis-Miles, Damon Arnett. Now, here's one of the problems with that Khalil Mack trade is they had to trade their second-round pick for uh, a third-round picker. Uh, so it was like – now, it wasn't as bad as we thought at the beginning of the year last year, but they moved down from something like 43 to 80. Because if they had 43, you're just going to take Damon Arnett at 43. He's going to be there at 43. Uh, I mean, Christian Fult and uh, Jalen Johnson, you know, these guys fell past the 43rd pick. But they couldn't, and they didn't look into a trade down. And it is a lot like Gary and Conley. It's kind of eerie, Cease, because that year you had Marshawn Lattimore going 11th, should have gone higher, to yeah. the Saints. And then, hey, what about the other Ohio State corner? This year, Okuda, of course, going number three. Arnett, the other Ohio State corner, competitive. You know, good against the run. Um, a first round pick? I don't think so. I think he's going to get targeted a lot. Like, who's matched up with Damon Arnett? That's who you're going to put in your DFS lineup this year. Um, so you move down. Now you get Bowden. I wasn't a big fan of Bowden, to be honest. I mean, I'm a fan of him as a player and the way he plays. But as you said, Cease, he's not a slot receiver. They announced him as a running back. He's not as good of a receiving running back, I think, as uh, Jalen Richard. He doesn't offer what Josh Jacobs does as an inside runner. You can do some different things with him, some Taysom Hill kind of things with him. He's a quarterback. But I don't see him where Antonio Gibson, you, you almost just you faint when you watch him. You say, oh, 
how can we get this in our <laughs> offense? Lynn Bowden doesn't blow you away when you watch him. I mean, he's he breaks tackles. He has a lot of fight in his game. I'm not really sure about that pick. Um, Edwards, you know, early breakout at South Carolina, looked like he was going to be a first-round pick, a little bit banged up. Yeah, I think he's a natural replacement for Tyrell Williams, who's going to be due $11.5 million. Uh, and then you see Clemson. They just can't get enough Clemson, you know? <laughs> Tanner Muse, is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? He's more like a special teams guy, maybe a tight end stopper. I guess since Denver has all those tight ends and Casey has Kelsey and the Chargers have Henry, maybe that's one of the things you do with Tanner Muse. I'm not sure. John Simpson, another Clemson guy. They did move up for him. They gave up their last pick of the draft, a fifth-round pick. He's a power guy, um, certainly. In pass protection, we'll see. Uh, and Robertson may be their, your favorite pick out of all their picks. Just a slot corner. So competitive. Unbelievably competitive. Um, you know, just a guy who plays the game the way you want to see it played. And it's, it's just going to be a fan favorite there with the intensity that he brings. He's going to be an outstanding slot corner in the NFL. Undrafted players for the Las Vegas Raiders. So weird to say that. Uh, mm. Nick Bowers, I guess. Yeah. Well. <laughs> From Penn State. <clears throat> Not fast, but he's big. <clears throat> they got a blocking tight end. I don't, I don't know, Bloom. Who you got? Yeah, there's not much. Um, uh, Madre Harper from Southern Illinois. He's got some length and athleticism. Uh, Javon White, Las Vegas Raiders. Get used to it. Took a UNLV uh, undrafted free agent. Undersized coverage linebacker Dominic Eberly. They might need a kicker, so you know, undrafted free agent kickers that can make the team is something. That is something. <laughs> we'll take it. Uh, we'll take what the Los Angeles Chargers did in the draft as well. And Justin Herbert rounds things out, starts things off, I should say, with the Chargers. I pick six overall, and this had been out there for a while. It'd been anticipated. It's speculated. Unless it was Joel Klatt's first mock draft, which didn't have Herbert in it at all, which is god-awful. But anyway, <laughs> greatest college football analyst there is. That doesn't mean you're a great draft analyst. Uh, my point being, when you look at Herbert, well, when does he take over? Because Tyrod Taylor can win you a lot of games. Tyrod Taylor's not going to blow you away. He's not going to take a lot of chances with the football. And he'll get, you know, 3,300 yards passing and 22 touchdowns, something like that. He'll run. He'll run the offense. You'll win games. Okay. There's no like, okay, time to pull the plug, right? It's not like Fitzmagic with Tua where you go, okay, Fitzmagic, you get like a month maybe. And then we got to go to Tua with Herbert. It's like, well, how long does he need? And then when is the right time? Does he sit the entire year? It's possible, right? Because Tyrod Taylor again, I think we have a greater appreciation for Tyrod Taylor than other people in terms of what he can be as a starter. And he's not going to blow out of the water or anything like that, but he's going to be solid for you. This team is really good. And if you said the Chargers, they're the second best team in the AFC West, that's an argument I wouldn't really argue against. I mean, they are really good right now. They've got a great defense. They've added to that defense. We'll get to that. Now they've got a young franchise quarterback, but Bloom, it's like, okay, how long is he on the shelf? because of what you can do offensively with Tyrod Taylor and Herbert out there, got the big arm, sees the field. Well, there were some maturity questions that he not necessarily answered all of them at the senior bowl He's very robotic at the senior bowl. He was good. 
He was the best quarterback there, but he, you know, was like very safe. Is that job interview where he told you everything you wanted to hear and didn't, you know, make you go, Ooh, I got to look into that. No, he's Jordan loves out there, like trying to throw in a triple team and stuff like that. And Herbert was just like, okay, I'm going to be methodical. I'm going to be a rhythm passer. Didn't make mistakes. Didn't really challenge the defense. So we'll see, you know, how much of a jump they could take and then win because the Chargers are close, especially with that extra playoff team. Chargers could easily be a playoff team with Tyrod Taylor. I don't know if you could say the same thing with rookie Justin Herbert. And then we'll see how much he transfers and transitions and all those sorts of things. So Herbert won. Kenneth Murray, the next pick in the First round, okay, and they trade with New England so they can get their linebacker. Murray, definitely tough against the run. He has zone capabilities in terms of the high football intelligence bloom, but you don't see the coverage skills yet. So it's, you know, a little bit more of a project there than you would think. Denzel Perriman can't ever stay healthy, so this is kind of your replacement for that. I do like Murray's game. Uh, the Broncos liked him as well, like Patrick Queen more, though, because Queen was that coverage guy. Murray's more of the tackler, and then coverage is like, I don't know. I yeah. hope so. <laughs> uh, let's talk fourth-rounder Josh Kelly, right? Uh, uh, I believe I heard you and Matt Waldman talking about yes. him, so we'll save that for you. Joe Reed, wide receiver from Virginia, has got plenty of speed. Some at the Shrine Bowl didn't necessarily show off that much. I was excited going into that week. And it, you know, he was, he was okay that week. I wasn't like, Oh, oh wow. Look at this Aaron Parker guy. No, no, no. Joe Reed was like, he was okay. <clears throat> Definitely got that speed. What did I tell you about water bloom? Sixth round, Aloha <laughs> Gilman. <clears throat> Before the show, I was like, I'm not drinking any water. <laughs> Safety Notre Dame. And then seventh rounder, as we get through this AMC West show, it's KJ Hill from Ohio State, who's all yeah. about run after the catch. And I honestly, I thought Hill and his strong senior bowl performance. You know, third rounder, fourth rounder, they get him in the seventh. It's a really great pr- uh, uh, pick. <laughs> Got to be careful there. Uh, really great pick for the Chargers in the seventh round. Where's my water? Taking the tank to E. Um, see, did you feel like the Chargers took Herbert because they felt like they had to? Like in they didn't way. want to, but mm-hmm. they just had to. It was a really odd pick. Um, I don't know that they fit with the team blueprint that Anthony Lynn has in mind. Tyrod Taylor certainly does. Jalen Hurts would have. Uh, Herbert, we've been saying it, the easiest way to sum him up is the sum is not equal to the parts. Athleticism, arm talent, sure. Uh, size. But you said methodical. And that's not necessarily a compliment. Uh, you just don't... When you watch a quarterback, the number one thing I want to see is... Does the game give them meaningful instructions to act on in an instantaneous fashion? Or again, as Marcus Mariota played out, is a more robotic, and they're Oregon quarterback, more robotic, more linear in their thinking and kind of stuck in these, uh, like a flow chart. Chris Sims, right? Remember, Chris Sims actually looked okay when you gave him simple decisions. Number six pick? I mean, this team could have won 10, 11, 12 games with Tyrod Taylor if they had taken a tackle, I think. I don't know. We'll see. I I just think that Herbert is not that quarterback. Maybe he could become that guy. I just don't know if this is the team, the system to do that. Murray, they give their second and third round pick to move up for Murray. 
And again, he's a sea ball, kill ball, you know, seek and destroy guy. Thomas Davis, you know, that kind. They just let him go uh, to Washington. Um, but coverage, good luck. And like you said, it might be a little bit that Oklahoma didn't ask him to do that much. But a first-round pick, it's like Jordan Brooks, a first-round pick who may be a liability against the pass in a passing league? What's that worth? Really? Look what the Kansas, look at your opponents. Look at Kansas City. Look what Denver just did. Is Kenneth Murray going to be an impact player against those teams? I, I didn't understand this pick, but you know, he, he'll look good in the role he's good at. Don't pick until the fourth round and they take Josh Kelly. That's bad for Justin Jackson, who I think is still a very good running back. Kelly's really rugged. Uh, he's con- an excellent compliment to Austin Eckler, but, um, you know, it's not necessarily an upside running back pick, but a very competent running back, uh, and a running back who is going to make a defense expend max effort to bring him down. Reed's an interesting wide receiver, running back tweener, can do some different things, catching the ball out of the backfield, if you ask. Gilman, they love their Notre Dame guys, special teams, uh, developmental safety. Hill, as you said, slot only. And that's the thing, right? Um, he's a slot only receiver. And I, Unlike, say, K.J. Hamler, he's not going to add value by uh, taking the ball to the house with speed or anything like that. So what's that worth now, especially when you have uh, Keenan Allen? I mean, it's a fine, solid value pick, but uh, I think that K.J. Hill falling. And you may see teams like Minnesota look back at taking Justin Jefferson in the first round. if He's a slot-only guy, uh, especially when, see, I don't know if you saw Corey Davis' fifth-year option not picked up by Tennessee. Right. People talking about, well, you put Corey Davis in the slot, and then all of a sudden he's an extremely effective receiver. So how many receivers are we going to talk about? Mari Cooper. How many receivers are we going to talk about and say, well, if you put them in the slot, that's where you get their best football. So what's it worth if you can be functional in the slot but not add value to those targets? I think that's part of the reason that K.J. Hill fell. But he's going to hang around the NFL and be a quality. You know, he could easily follow the path of Cole Beasley, Danny Amendola, you know, again, these guys, undrafted free agents, Danny Amendola, a, a draft guys, TV alum, Adam Humphreys, you know, KJ Hill can follow on that path. I'm just not sure what that's worth right now. Undrafted free agents for the Chargers include Tulane, uh, huge running back, Darius Bradwell, 240 pounds. So you get some size in the backfield if he makes the team. And then a bunch of defensive players. Eh, some more skilled guys, though. Bloom, who you got? Yeah, they got, um, uh, Dalton Shane, a, a wide receiver out of Kansas State. I think Kansas State didn't have anybody drafted for the first time in forever. So it's a chance for us to talk Kansas State. Josh Dunlop, massive offensive lineman from uh, UTSA, San Antonio. Gave us Marcus Davenport a few years ago. Jeff Cotton, got to mention him against these. We're talking Idaho. So, you know, anytime we can get an Idaho, Wyoming, Montana player in in these draft recaps, got to do it. <sighs> there we go. We made it. We made it to the end of the draft recap shows here on the Audible. What are we talking about now, Bloom? Where are we going? What are we doing? Because I, I had projected every time we do a Broncos show, I was like, right. oh, this is going to be 40 minutes. <laughs> I was like, oh, try to keep it under 40 because every other episode is like 30 minutes, 33 minutes, 30 minutes. And then we talk Broncos and get a little chatty. But uh, we did it, man. We did the whole uh, whole show. We got the uh, Live show posted last night. We got the new Dynasty show with Chad and Jordan. That's been posted to the iTunes, uh, the old Audible feed. So here we go again since 2006 till now. I don't, don't make me do math. 
15 no. years? Yeah. Right? 14 if we're doing the math, but it's the 15th It's the year 15th year. It's the yeah. 15th year of the Audible. Yeah. Hmm. We're hanging on. And it's great because this ritual, this was the, the birth of the Audible. Uh, whenever we talked to the draft on the phone for like three hours. And then you said, you want to, want to do that again, but record it. And I think we might have done it more than once again. Yeah, we did it three um, times. Yeah. But the, but the beautiful thing is it's a reset and we, you make sure that every player who was drafted's name is said on one of these shows and mispronounced <laughs> by me. You can do the, the blooper reel of that. Um, Thanks to Scott Ryder, I'd be doing that too. Uh, and it, it just gives us that reset. And again, sees like we can already look back now on players that have come and gone that you almost barely remember were in the league that we spent minutes uh, talking about what their impact was going to be, how they were going to fit with their team. When we started doing this show, I think Liam was what seven or six or eight. And we were talking about, maybe one day we'll talk about yeah, Liam. Yeah, seven. Mm-hmm. Seven. And we were doing, we talked about maybe one day Liam, what about Liam Lammy, you know, draft pick. Well, Dalton Keene, close <laughs> enough. Close enough, you know. Um, Second Patriots player drafted from uh, Chatfield, though, by the way, because Zach Robinson right. was was drafted uh, by the Patriots. So they uh, got a little Chatfield Patriots connection there. Chatfield Chargers, baby. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, did I get that right, Chatfield? Mm-hmm. Chargers, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so it's fun because again, uh, at this time, we talked about this a little bit last night. You know, we're looking to the future. There still is a future. Hope, uh, bigger and better things to come. And rituals always make us feel good. I personally love this. I get excited. I look forward to these shows as much as any shows that we do and spending time with the people in the chat room. And it helps me. It lays the foundation for everything we're going to talk about for these players. For years, the decisions that were made, we'll look back on what we thought, we'll look back on what they thought, uh, and we'll continue to go forward. So, you know, what's the countdown now? Like, you know, we've got about 350-some days before we do it again, but uh, it, I'll keep coming back as long as they keep coming back. Yeah, and what's funny is we were talking off the air, like, how many players we've seen the rise and the fall. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause fifth, entering our 15th year of doing this, like we've, we've gotten excited about plenty of players and we've seen them fall and we've been right and we've been wrong. And it's just like, wow, just that's a lot of football. That's a lot of time. It's a lot of talking, but it's a lot of the community bloom. Yeah. That's really what excites me. And especially now that we're doing these live shows on YouTube. If you're listening to this, thank you for listening. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, like, comment, share, subscribe, ring the bell, all that kind of stuff. But, it's just kind of hanging out with like-minded individuals, right? Um, who just kind of share the, the same ether as we do in terms mm-hmm. of consciousness, you know, like mm-hmm. they're, they're on our wavelength. We're vibrating the, the same way, the right way. Um, and talking football, but having fun, man. And that's something I think through all this pandemic and everything that we're dealing with, it's like, it's about community. It's about the connection. It's about the interaction. It's about sharing time, giving of your time and giving of yourself and just being there for each other. So in a way, we've always said it, but it rings true even more so now, Bloom. Like, you know, this show has been good for the listeners. It's good for us yeah. to hear from you guys, to chat with you guys, to, you know, get the tweets and get the emails and get the, the chat room comments. Unless you make Patriots fans mad, Bloom. I mean, it's always a pretty fun <laughs> chat room. Yeah, it is. And it's like the, the, 
everybody in life wants to just be seen and heard, right? Um, and on a personal level, we can always do our best in our day-to-day life to make people feel seen and heard. And everybody out there, people that thank us, you're giving us the gift, especially because Cecil and I are, are sensitive, fragile individuals who need attention. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we need attention. We need your attention. You make us feel seen and heard. I can't even tell you how valuable that is every day. I always joke that part of why I like doing this podcast is I'm just saying, can anybody hear me? And everyone says, yeah, I can hear you. Like, oh. Great. That yes. makes me feel better. I feel so much better now. And mm-hmm. y'all give us that every day. And then it's just the spark in our brains of, of football, of trying to understand what's going on with these teams, of, of the unknown. Every time we watch a game and we will watch games together again, eventually it sparks so much. And to share that with other live minds and then have that as a handshake to go off to any other way that we can be a positive part of each other's lives. It's a gift. Again, I'll say, and especially this is for coronavirus. This is the, these times. And it, and it isn't going to be over whenever we have a vaccine. And that's not going to be for a while because the world's never going to go back to the way it was before. And we're all going to need more help. And number one mistake, and all my advice is always directed back at me first and foremost. The number one mistake we all make is not asking for help when we need it. And it's because you're not a burden when you ask for help. You're giving other people a chance to have a meaningful impact in the life of somebody. You're allowing grace to flow through them and generosity of spirit. So ask for help. Ask us for help. We ask you you for help. We all need each other, and that's not a bad thing because it gives us an excuse to be in each other's lives. Mm. Namaste. He's Sigmund Bloom. I'm Cecil Lammy. It's The Audible. Thanks for being a football guy. Stay tuned, and as always, stay frosty. Get all this over with. Get back to business.